Hello and welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. My name is Ben Wilson and today I am so excited to welcome a very special guest over Zoom with Julta, who is the co-founder of an organization here in Alberta called Ubuntu Mobilizing Central Alberta. Julta, welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here virtually. Yeah, I'm so excited to, to meet you on the screen and to have a conversation with you. And as I was just saying to you before we started uh, this podcast, we're in our fourth season, over 100 episodes now, and the podcast is really all about uh, authentic human stories of spirituality. And you were recommended uh, to me uh, to reach out to you by our minister here in Basha, Reverend Robin King, was familiar with your work and he thought, you know, who would be a great person to talk to would be this organization in Lacombe, Ubuntu. You've got to reach out to them and hear their story. Um, and so I am only loosely familiar with your work by looking at the website a little bit, hearing a little bit about um, some of the, your work through Robin. Um, but you're here to kind of share your story with us. So what is Ubuntu Mobilizing Central Alberta? All right. That's a that's a big question, actually. So um, Ubuntu Mobilizing Central Alberta is a registered nonprofit and we focus on um, community building and relationships. And we like to say that we have the hard conversations. Um, so we um, don't shy away from conversations in regards to race, racism, diversity, inclusion, as well as overall social justice work. Um, but we are also the organization that tries and seek to allow our communities, predominantly black um, and brown communities, to find ways to thrive in the midst of it all and, and to be able to focus on our well-being as well, um, because those are two different things. We fight, and but we also have to do self-care and, and allow our communities to do that as well. So that's just a little mm. bit of of, of who we are and what we do. So basically we have hard conversations and we build relationships and we mobilize communities. Very cool. It sounds like um, you go beyond just the talk. So the, the talk is an important part of raising awareness and maybe shifting yeah. people's thinking, but all of that is just happening kind of in that headspace of thought, right? And then going beyond thought into action is such a critical part of advocacy. So that's really cool. And we'll get into all of that. So one thing I want to just talk about for one second is the name. Um, so Ubuntu is the name I'm familiar with. Um, I've traveled to Africa um, yeah. many years ago as a backpacker. And I love the concept of this word, Ubuntu, meaning uh, I am because we are. And it's a Zulu proverb yeah. that um, is used uh, around the idea of interconnectedness, right? So. Yeah. I'm sure that that's obviously why you picked the word. Tell me a little bit about about that name for you. Sure. So my co-founder Sadia Han, she was the one who really um, honed in on this on this because it it, it basically. Um, sets the groundwork and the foundation for how we do our work. Um, sometimes we get grumpy at work. Sometimes we don't want to do the work. Sometimes we don't want to work with other people. But when we're reminded that we are because other people are as well, it helps us to go forward. Um, and it it's it reminds us that no 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 matter how big or difficult a task is or how challenging it is, we are still humans. And if we can see the humanity in somebody else, then it helps the work to be less challenging and less difficult. And so she said, we have to use this name because that philosophy will guide us. Um, 
And I'm grateful that she did choose that name. And as we uh, continue to look into the philosophy and what it means and how it works, it makes it made the work a little harder because we had to live by that philosophy. But it also made it easier because it 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 drove everything that we do and everything that we say. And so whenever we're grumpy about something or we want to rant and rave or whatever, we have to remember our name and see the humanness in the other person and see the humanity in the other person and allow that to take place. And so that name, it drives us. Um, and, and every time we introduce ourselves as Ubuntu mobilizing Central Alberta, it's basically people who see other people helping other people to build communities. And mm-hmm. that's that's what that's what we are, that's what we do, and it is the foundation on, on which we were built on. That's really cool. I love how the choice of name was actually part of your um, finding this sense of clarity and purpose. Yeah in your like really your mission of why you exist and and the work that you want to accomplish so that's really cool yeah um so this is obviously a very personal um thing for you as well and it's part of your i'm sure part of your your own personal why and purpose um tell me a little bit about about your story who is julta and why is ubuntu so important to you Oh my goodness. I think right now Ubuntu makes me like it's my why for waking up in the morning and it's um, why I go to bed at night too. But I'm, I was born in Haiti and during, during the period that I was born in Haiti, it was during the Duvalier regime. So a lot of um, suppression um, a lot of rights being restricted, a lot of um, not being able to speak out. So that's the period that I was born in. And then as I was being, um, as I was growing up in the 80s to the 90s, we went through this shift and it was a lot of instability, a lot of violence, a lot of state-sanctioned violence as well. And then my mom and I joined um, my dad, who was already living in the Bahamas. And so I went from um, a, a country that was basically unstable to being an immigrant and a foreigner and not knowing how to speak the language and being different and having to tell people how to pronounce my name. Haiti speaks Haitian Creole and French and the Bahamas speaks English. So I had to teach myself how to speak English. I had to be able to adapt. I had to live with all of those things. And then years later, I migrated to the Bahamas, to um, Canada, sorry, for, for university. And again, had to change again and to be able to adapt as well. And along all of those journeys, I just remembered how it felt like for no one to listen to what I was saying people wanting to help, but not necessarily listening to what was needed for me. Um, and I also remembered with Sadia and I, whenever we would attend events or meetings that had to do with social justice in central Alberta, that there were not many people who looked like us. And there were not a lot of questions about people like us. There were not stories and experiences. And we, that's how we met. We met by attending events, not knowing each other, but always seeing each other at these events. And so after a while, it it might've taken a year or so, we decided to say hi to each other, Um, which which is crazy when you think about it now. Um, So we decided to say, hey, we've seen each other throughout the year um, at these different events. What's your name? How are you? And, And that's how our friendship built. 
okay. and we continue to recognize the need to see more um, people who look like us be on those panels, as well as for, for us to be present. And so we would try to mobilize our communities to show up. And when nobody else did, we did. And we knew um, that listening was important because so many times we were saying things and nobody was listening. Um, and so that is, is what um, really put our stories together, recognizing each other, recognizing each other's stories and experiences and recognizing the need for solidarity to have that person next to you who stands and support what you're saying. Um, and if your question is dismissed, that they come right back and ask that question. And so our stories really connected to create Ubuntu Mobilizing Central Alberta. Wow. And so that's why even today, what we do is show up and have difficult conversations, sometimes just show up to be present. Um, and yeah, that's that's my life story, Sadia's life stories, our life stories connected to make this thing. And hopefully we're doing okay with it. Um, <laughs> and hopefully it, our stories continue to shape um, this this baby that we've created. Yeah, well, I can't see how they possibly wouldn't I as you were speaking Julta I was thinking about how I mean I grew up in central Alberta in this area um, and I remember being at a wedding once and and hearing someone make the comment wow this is a really white crowd <laughs> and I, I it really stuck with me because I remember in that moment kind of stopping and looking around and thinking huh where, where, he's right there is like seriously no one of color in this entire I mean it wasn't like a huge wedding but it was probably a couple hundred people yeah and I don't think there was any single one person of color and then even thinking about my own wedding we had a couple hundred people at our wedding and almost no one of color maybe a few people yep um out of a couple hundred but until someone else pointed it out I didn't even think about it yeah so I, I'm really curious what your experience of like you've lived in different parts of the world born yep. in Haiti grew up in the Bahamas came here for university yep. um central Alberta is not super diverse especially no, in, small, in small rural communities and so I think it's sometimes easy for us to let ourselves off the hook around fighting racism and standing up for equality and a lot of these issues because we think well it doesn't it's not as applicable here yes have as much diversity so it doesn't matter as much right and I think that's a dangerous line of thought but I'm I'd love to hear from you for as an outsider moving here when you came to central Alberta what was your uh perception of the culture here and that shift so first of all I was warned against coming to Alberta. Oh, really? Yeah. Like I, I remember cause I, um, I was home for two years. I had previously went to, uh, did two years of university in Jamaica. And then I came home and I said, you know, I've always lived in places where people looked like me. We may have spoken different languages, but we were basically the same, right? Once Caribbean, always Caribbean. Um, so I wanted to experience something different. And I looked at Australia and I was like, that's too far. If anything happens to me, it'll take mom and dad probably like a day or two to get to me. So I was like, okay, what the fuck? <laughs> so I settled on Canada and everyone's like, yeah, that's a good choice. Go to Quebec, go to Ontario. And I'm like, mm, no, because Toronto or, or Montreal, I would be able to fit in. 
And I wanted to experience, I said, you know, why would I go to another country and still like basically experience the same thing? So I was like, I'll I'll go to Alberta. And I remembered everyone's like, no, you don't. (laughs) Really? (laughs) want to go to Alberta. I was like, no, it looks cool. And the pamphlets from university, of course, is showing the beautiful fall colors and Banff and all of that. Right. Um, I think about snow, by the way, like no mention of winter. We don't like to brag about that. Right. And everyone's like, no, you don't want to go to Alberta. And I was like, yeah, I do. Um, And they were trying to be subtle about it. Mm -hmm. And finally, uh, this Canadian banker who was working in the Bahamas, he sat me down and he says, "Okay, I'll give you the lowdown on Alberta. This is this is what Alberta is about. Like you have to prepare yourself, but also open yourself. And he said, if you're going to go go with an open mind and with an open heart, make friends, Mm. travel lots and go to hockey games and be a Flames fan. That was, that was like, that's what he said. Like go with an open (laughs) heart, with an open mind, be a Flames fan and travel. He said, don't stay in a bubble. Don't take things personally. And so when I did decide to come, um, it was shocking at first. I came in September and it was cold. I came in through Edmonton and I was like, okay, nobody told me it was going to be this cold, especially for (laughs) September. Um, But I did move here 14 14 years ago and we're now more diverse than we were 14 years ago. Um, However, what I find in central Alberta is central Alberta is diverse, but there are pockets of diversity. So Mm. I can go to events where there are just a few non-black people. I can go to events where um, there are Black people, there's Indians, there's Pakistanis, there's Sudanese, there's like all of these people and there's still just a few um, non-people of color. And I can go to events, large public events, where I am one of the very few people of color there. Yeah. And that's when I notice the difference. Um, And when I'm attending these events, I'm usually, usually always asked, where are you from? And I've been here for 14 years and I will still go to a small town hockey game and people will say, where are you from? How did you get here? Um, I can go to rodeo and get asked those questions because it's almost as if are there two separate worlds in central Alberta. Mm-hmm. And so when you do things like farming, hockey, um, rodeo, it's predominantly white um, and, and very few to little to no presence of, of people of color. And then when you go to other things that's seen as being more ethnic, more um, cultural, then you would see this shift. Um, and I've had to navigate both, both worlds. Um, and I'm continuing to navigate both worlds, but it's, it's, still, it's still very shocking to me that I can go into certain towns and not see the semblance of any anything or anyone that looks like me. Yeah. And of course, there are different towns that are known for different things, where even if I'm um, now, if I'm going to certain towns, my friends will make sure that they go with me. My white friends will make sure that they go with me because they're like, oh, that town, you may not want to be the only one there by yourself. Um, But for the most part, I've enjoyed living here, um, but it's still difficult when there are warnings that comes with certain towns. Right. Um, or going to certain things and and still being asked, where am I from? When I'm from here, because I've been here for 14 years, right? So those are just some of the nuances that I've experienced, mm. which is why Sadi and I choose to show up at 
events and places where we know that w- if we don't show up, there won't be anyone from our communities to show up, which is right. hard times, though. That must be. It, yeah. I, I, would, I would really agree with you that um, Alberta has become more diverse. We, we're uh, in really all parts of Canada are this interesting tapestry of so many cultures. Like we are such a multicultural country. But I would say that in my experience, rural Alberta anyway, is sort of it's like you said, it's sort of pockets of diversity. Yep. So, and I get it because, you know, people immigrated here or settled here 120 years ago and they formed their little communities, right? Yep. Like there's a little farming town and almost everyone there is Ukrainian or yep. Yep. your little Mormon communities. And, and they stuck together because they spoke the same language and it was, you know, a two day um, horse ride to the next community back in when they were forming that little community. And so of course they would stick together. And then even in our time, um, you have groups of people that that immigrate to somewhere like central Alberta and they they kind of congregate or flock to where their people are. Or where they're gonna feel creating yeah. that safety net. Exactly. It's, it's recognizing somebody else, understanding that they know your culture, your language, yeah. you know, ways of doing things. Yeah. So who wouldn't who wouldn't want that, right? Yeah. But then yeah. the inadvertent kind of side effect is that we have these super white communities that do lack diversity and maybe lack an understanding of yeah. what it means to be inclusive. Yeah. Um, and so you really have to be out, go out of your way, be super intentional about it. So we've looking at your name again of the organization, we've talked about the word Ubuntu and yeah. we've just talked a little bit about the context and the culture of central Alberta. The other word there is mobilizing. So Ubuntu mobilizing Central Alberta. I'd love to talk about that a little bit. What does it mean to you to mobilize and what is what is it that we need to mobilize around? That's a good question. So when we were thinking about doing the work, um, we recognized that there were a few gaps that were mi- that's missing in Central Alberta. One is um, accessibility to safe spaces specifically for people of color, but also for um, other people that that are marginalized. So think LGBTQ2S+, right? Think about um, people with disabilities or special needs. Um, in Edmonton or Calgary, whenever you attend events, they ask, um, are there b- barriers that will um, hinder you from attending this event? Do you have any special needs or um, requirements that we will make that can make that can that this can that we can do to help um, make this more accessible to you? Um, are there any things that you want that you need? Um, there are spaces that's predominantly just BIPOC, which is Black, Indigenous, and other peoples of color. There are safe, um, spaces that's just for Black women, just for Black men, just for Black youth. So you can go into these spaces and feel at home and feel safe and feel brave. Central Alberta do not have those. Mm-hmm. Um, there are spaces that's for LGBTQ2S+, young people, older people, you know, events. Central Alberta do not have that. We do not have those advocacy groups either that will speak out if you're thinking about um, Islamophobia. Mm. Uh, Just recently, there were incidents that were taking place where hijabs of women walking in Edmonton were being torn off and pulled off. And that community mobilized together and pushed really pushed and advocated for their communities and said, we need to speak out. We need to reassure them. We need to comfort them. We need to make this 
safe. When you think of central Alberta, we don't have that. Um, The rise of anti-Asian hate and racism and all of that, there has been basically nothing that has come out from leadership or community leaders to even send a word of comfort or care to say, hey, we're in this together. This is what our communities are going to do to ensure that you feel safe, that you're at home. There's none of that. And so what we wanted to do was instead of having to travel to Edmonton and to to Calgary for these specific events or or access, we wanted to bring that here. Mm -hmm. And so we attended so many events in in those, in both Edmonton and Calgary. And then we brought a lot of those ideas to Central Alberta to make it so that our young people don't feel as if they have to leave, that once high school is done, that they have to go to the big cities in order to um, be able to do things. So that's one. The other, the other one is um, that, so that was one piece and bringing some of those services here. The other one was to mobilize our own communities to be able to advocate for themselves um, and to help each other to stand with each other, to allow each other to be brave instead of one person speaking out. Um, And we have had, Saudi and I, have both turned down interviews and other um, opportunities because we said, we're not the only people of color here. Like they're amazing (laughs) people. Go and talk to them and their stories are different from ours. And we don't speak for the entire, I don't speak for the entire black community. Sadia doesn't speak for her community. So we, we like to pass that on so that members of our communities are able to mobilize themselves and, and, and start new organizations and speak about what affects them. Um, We also recognize that the younger people, as much as I would like to think that I'm still a young person, I realize that I'm not 17 and <laughs> my needs differ from that of a 17 year old black girl or black boy. And so we're trying with, um, because we do have the Ubuntu Youth Council where we allow them to take um, agency about what they want to do, how they want to do it and for them to do that. And so in mobilizing, we're not just um, being the leaders, We don't see ourselves as the gatekeepers that everything has to come through us, but we're really trying to sort of fan out the work and to be able to enable other people to do the work. Because if I'm not here tomorrow, if Saudi is not here tomorrow, the work continues. And so those are the two main reasons why we chose mobilizing so that we just get people up and going and then we let them go and, you know, and we move on as the work should be done. Absolutely. It sounds like you're already and continuing to build something that is so much bigger than the two of you who started all of this. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and you've been at this for a while. It sounds like you've seen some shifts and some changes as the fruit of your labors and your efforts and intentions. Um, I'd love to, to hear a little bit about what has, uh, what are you celebrating that has changed over the course of this work? Oh man, I think we celebrate, Saudi and I celebrate each other. I love her so much. Like she is, I've never had a big sister um, because I'm the eldest, but she is my big sister. And whenever we're together, we sort of like have this energy and we can do so much when we're together. Because for a long time, we felt as if we were working in silo. And so many other people in our communities feel the same because what people don't realize is, yes, we're all um, in my community, we're all black, people are brown, there's indigenous, but there's so many differences 
in within those communities. Um, and so sometimes it feels isolating. Um, sometimes you don't know, especially in central Alberta, you don't necessarily know who to vent to, who to run to, who you can celebrate with, um, or who you can just have coffee with, because we don't just want to be protesting and rioting and doing all of these things. Sometimes we literally just need to sit back with each other and have a drink or two, um, and to chat. And so Sadi and I celebrate each other by recognizing that we're doing good work that there is friendship, that there is solidarity, as well as when we get um, messages, a lot of messages from people all over Alberta, all over Canada, just to say, um, you're doing amazing work. Like to me, there's nothing more humbling than to get a random message and that someone is saying, I listened to you on this podcast, or I read this story about you, or I saw you at this event. You're doing an amazing job. Thank you. Mm, it's so um, validating hey it's so affirming and it it reassures us that we're doing something good um the other one too is the ubuntu youth council where they're putting out their own media press releases where they are doing their own things they're doing um they're taking agency of the work that they want to do they are applying for grants they're um planning events for a year they're helping each other that is what the work looks like. It, it, it's and, and in celebrating that, it helps us to recognize and remind us that this is what we're supposed to do, that it's not about us. It's about how our communities feel, how other people feel, um, as well as when, uh, whenever we get people who are not racist, but have um, racist tendencies, will say, thank you for at least listening or talking to me. Um, you know, it's, we may not have changed them, but at least the fact that they recognize that a conversation was held and, and, you know, whatever it is that they take away from that is always a, a, a moment of celebration for us. And so we always take that as a win, as long as we're not being punched in the face. Um, and it's come, it has come pretty close to that, you know, um, Last year, especially every time we would go somewhere, we would we would highlight that, we, you know, we weren't attacked. There was no fighting. We had conversations which were hard. Yep. That's a win. And we celebrate that because that's what we have to do. And yeah. so that I think that's to me, that's that's what it looked like. Really cool. And that is so worth celebrating and acknowledging, um, yep. and especially cool that you're able to acknowledge each other, but also receiving that acknowledgement from total strangers and people who have just come across your work. Um, it shows that you're really impacting a wider, a wider circle than just Lacombe or just central Alberta. Um, when you, when you talk about uh, creating safe spaces, Julta, one of the things that comes to mind for me uh, and something that has not always been a safe space and continues to be very unsafe in some, in some instances um, is places of worship. So <laughs> The church, you know, big letter C, has has so much uh, history and baggage of hurt and of, and of inflicting pain and of not being, um, you know, Jesus in the world like we claim to want to be. So, in Central Alberta, um, in in your personal experience and your own spiritual journey, what has that part been like in terms of the the your faith component and if whatever you're willing to share of that. 
So we're going to go there on this Thursday morning. Okay. Um, I think that has been my biggest struggle. That has, because I think, and I think it's because I expect more and I'm not sure why, like I expect more from the church Mm. and usually I get less. So that's always hard. Um, but I always like to start with the positive. So I'm going, I'm going to start with a positive um, spin to this. Last year, we had an event in Lacombe. Uh, it was Lacombe Against Racism. Um, and being from Lacombe, I told Sadia, um, and this was my Jonah moment. I always say this is my Jonah moment. I said, Sadia, nobody's going to show up. It's just going to be the two of us and my family. And, um, and she's like, no, I think a couple of people will show up. I was like, this is Lacombe. Like this is the Bible belt of central Alberta, which is the Bible belt of Alberta, which is the Bible belt of Canada. Nobody's going to show up. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and she was like, no, I think a couple of people will. I was like, yeah, it'll be like maybe five, 10 people. And she's like, well, if five or 10 people show up, it's a win. And I just remembered feeling so nervous because I'm, I'm a Christian and I'm like, I want my people to show up. I would hope that my people would show up. And I'm like, they're not going to show up. And if they do show up, they're going to do this and they're going to do that. And I remembered us coming into Lacombe and, um, and, and getting ready to set up. First of all, the Lacombe Police Services was amazing. We reached out to them and they was like, yep, we'll be there um, to show up. And we had said, you know, we know that these are polarizing um conversations that's having but we respect the work that we you do but you know this is what we will be talking about we're not attacking you um it's 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 policy not people and they were like oh yeah we're good with it they showed up um ahead of time and you know met people and I remembered standing there and I'm like nobody's gonna show up like nobody's going to show up I felt as if this was like a big play for some reason and nobody would show up and we had over 200 people wow show up and i just remembered getting so emotional because i was humbled in that in that moment and the people that i thought wouldn't show up were actually the people who showed up older generation people more conservative people and i just remembered i still get teary eyed when i think about it now because it was such a humbling experience that i for whatever reason felt the need to to pre- predict what people would do and, mm. and how good people were. And I just remembered seeing all of these p- people. Um, I think there was about 10 different ministers from, from, cent- uh, from around Lacombe that showed up, the United Church, um, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, um, some of the other churches that showed up. And I kept looking around and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm going to eat a humble pie today. <laughs> um, and... And they showed up and, and they were so receptive in, in letting people know that Lacombe will become that safe space for them, that they are trying and that they are willing to learn and that they're willing to support the work. And I just felt so humbled. Um, and I didn't know when I got to, when I got um, up to speak, I didn't know what to say. I felt like Jonah, You know, when he goes and he preaches 40 day more and Nineveh will be destroyed. And then he goes and sit on the hill to watch like (laughs) the the drama unfold. Like, so I thought that I would have been seeing 
five people show up and then I would be able to say, you know, see the Christians in Lacombe didn't even show up and these people showed up. Yeah. Um, and I had to admit that I said, you know, I was surprised, pleasantly surprised, but so proud that my community did show up. So that's the good. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if I keep thinking about that, then I can be optimistic for the future. Mm-hmm. However, at the same time, I feel as if our church is still, our churches, big C, is still 20 steps behind um, in showing up, in making changes, in decolonizing Christianity, um, in the way that we present Jesus to people. Because we're still using so many of the colonial um, tactics to introduce people to Jesus. And people just assume if you're not a Christian, then you don't know Jesus. And if you don't Mm. know Jesus, you know, all of these other things. It's so conditional. And yeah. So can you give me an example of that colonial approach to, um, to spreading the good news and to living out our... Well, I think even if you think about mission work, yeah, nobody's saying, hey, I'm going to pack my backpack and I'm going to go for three months to the city of New York um, to preach, you know, the gospel because people there needs to be saved. They're not doing that. They're not going to those places where they are going, though, is places like Haiti um, is is African countries, is is South Asian countries, um, Asian countries in, in, in particular, Muslim countries, because it's automatic that if you live in those countries, you need Jesus, hmm. right? Um, Haiti has so many churches, so many different religions, very religious people, very spiritual people, but we see missionaries keep going because these people need Jesus. And we've also heard... Um, that uh, these countries are poor because they're non-Christian or Africa is the way it is because of um, they're non-Christians and they haven't accepted the message. Um, As well as you continue to see graphics of Jesus used with, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, um, (laughs) all the angels, right? Look like, you know, um, like they're from Sweden or something. Um, so like, true. like it's, 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 it's almost like there's no space that's created for people of color in mind. Right. Yeah. And so it's still that thinking of you need to come and accept, um, my Jesus, my version of Jesus as, as well as, um, if you look at a lot of the hymns that we sing, they're very, very, very European, um, mm-hmm. Very, very European. And the way that we interpret the Bible as well, very, very European in in, in thinking. And um, I was thinking and for Black History Month, when it comes to Christianity, people, um, they always say, we love the Black churches. They sing well. And they preach with this, like, it's almost entertainment. It's nothing about the spirituality. Like, I've never heard... Um, white speakers or preachers say, you know, I went, I attended this black church and the sermon, the theology was amazing. And it was this, like, yeah. they don't get that. What they tend to talk about is that we wear really nice hats. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of laughing. There's a lot of dancing. Um, there's a lot of hallelujah, praise Jesus. And, and they don't understand where that comes from. Like that came from the only days that that people who were enslaved was allowed to be themselves was on Sundays by themselves. 
And so their praise, their worship that people see now as being so amazing, that came out after working for um, during the week and surviving slavery. So that's the only thing that they could have done to give thanks that their child or their spouse or their partner were not sold off to another plantation. So that's where all of that, um, that joy comes from. And when we pray, releasing, hey, yes. And when we pray, it's, it's that pleading, right? Like that's, that's almost, that's, that's coded prayer because we're able to survive and we we're we're asking for help to be able to survive the next week so people they see it and they want it but they don't understand the dark times those songs those praises those prayers came through mm. right and 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 i just wish that one that the church would accept its complicity in what it did Mm-hmm. Um, and how they use the Bible during slave times and how they continue to use the Bible, especially towards black people, right? And, and and try to tell us how to dress, how to speak, how to do all of these things. So when I say um, that the church continues to use these colonial tropes, it's it's that. It's they uh, need to let go of that. Yeah, we so do. But it's so hard to like there's such a resistance to acknowledge the wrongs and the hurt that had the atrocities, the, the colonialism, the, the crusades, like the, yes. the killing, the, the, yeah. the genocide, uh, dominate. The yeah, genocide. it's yep. all of that. And it's ugly and it's gross. And no one wants to, to put their hand up and say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a part of all of that awful history because of the faith that I've chosen and the beliefs that I hold. Um, and like, for me personally, I, I, I think, I think the reason why you see so many people of our generation saying, yeah, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious because all of that is wrapped up in the structure of religion and the history of religions as like a brand, as like a, you know, the, the the structure of where all of that came from and the, the devastation that it's caused. And you can sort of detach yourself from all of that and say, well, you know, I, I don't really put a label on myself because I don't want to be associated with all of that, but I have these spiritual beliefs or I, I believe in a higher power. And, yes. and so it's almost like it makes it hard for anybody to want to walk in those doors and, and say, yeah, I'm all about this place. Yeah, it, it, it's so true. And even the demonization of, of African beliefs, right? Like I am Haitian and I grew up, um, my family converted to Christianity. And so we have detached ourselves from anything and, and everything that is culturally Haitian. Because to be culturally Haitian meant that you were being too African. And if you were being too African, it meant that you were too close to demons and and, and the devil worshiping and all of those things. Um, and within the past few years, I've started to do a lot more research and understand and, and re- realize that a lot of this was based on miscommunication. So the Europeans thought that the Africans did not have any understanding of higher power or anything. So first of all, we were ignorant, right? So we had to be taught. And then second, um, to so even spiritual practices, right? Like you had to be introduced to Jesus and you had to accept this European Jesus. Um, and so things like herbal medicine, like teas that's made from plants and leaves and roots and all of that, that was seen as witchcraft still is pretty much. Yeah. Like healing, um, you know, 
you know, you had special midwives where, and, and that practice as well was seen as being um, associated with witchcraft. The fact that, you know, these enslaved people didn't um, use the same methods as the Europeans. So that was witchcraft. Um, speaking another language was seen as witchcraft. Calling God by another name was seen as witchcraft. So he had to be called God in, in, in that language. And, and painting Mary, making Mary look anything other than um, the Madonna, you know, was again, witchcraft and it was African this and like all of these things that we were taught to hate and to demonize. Now we're just finding out that these people were worshiping the same God, but just in a different way, um, in, 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 in different forms and using different names. But and it sounds so obvious. Like it is so obvious. Yeah. Like how can... <laughs> an intelligent species on this planet evolve to be able to sail across oceans and, you know, develop technology and, yep. and master languages and study the stars and yep. understand mathematics and, and not get something that is so bloody simple and yep. obvious. Yep. It's, I can't even just wrap my head around it. How so all of that has to do with decolonizing Christianity that yeah. when we see someone worship drums do you know that drums beating the drum is still forbidden in so many christian churches come on so many i kid you not because in 2021 it's, oh in 2021 it's because it's connecting with the devil and that's because the the enslaved people that's how they worship that's what they made that's how and even think about um here the indigenous people here powwows were banned Right. And, and the dances were banned yeah. because they assumed that they were, I don't know, worshiping the devil, um, like all of those things. And now that and, and even now, um, if you're trying to come back into practice, people will look at you funny that you're no longer a Christian, that you're doing these African stuff and it's voodoo and it's witchcraft and it's all these things. I'm like, no, we're literally doing the same thing in a different way. Yeah. But it's not that long ago, right? Like the even things like the residential schools in Canada, oh. and we want it's another example of something we want to dissociate ourselves from and detach and say, well, that, that was that was a long time ago. I wasn't I had nothing to do with that. I wasn't even born. It was not that long ago. Like it well, was the last. I think they said the residential school was closed in nineteen ninety five or nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's less than. 30 years ago yeah like that's yesterday like that's yeah. really really present day but yet we want to believe that it was so long ago that it's not even relevant don't it. need to talk about it sweep it under the rug <laughs> yeah um hey one one last direction that i want to take our conversation in before we wrap up is uh today that we're recording this we're not posting this today um we'll be post putting this out on april 30th so we do a new episode every two week so every second friday is a new episode goes out but today is april 22nd it's earth day so happy earth day yeah happy birthday to you too thank you um and i really think that this ties into our conversation around the interconnectedness of all of life and all of uh spirituality and all of creation right so we're celebrating the earth today we're celebrating creation god's creation under in whatever way uh you want to call that uh creator and whatever way you want to understand that creation and origin story of creation. Um, and it's different for everyone. But I was just watching a documentary a couple nights ago. 
I don't know if you've seen this, but it's a film called My Octopus Teacher. Have you seen this film? I've heard about it. Okay, well, it's on Netflix. <laughs> I, I haven't seen it yet. You, you have to see it. So you have to watch it. It's so I highly recommend it to anyone who's interested, especially if you like documentaries and nature documentaries, especially. But it's yeah. really a story of interconnectedness. And this um, South African biologist, a marine biologist, is free diving in the, this kelp forest off the coast of South Africa. And he's he kind of creates this relationship with this one specific octopus. He keeps coming back there and, and finding the same octopus. And he identifies it and, the, and eventually gets to the point where it realizes that he's not a threat and they form this sort of this connection. He studies it, goes back there every day for, I think, almost a year, the entire life cycle of this octopus. And in, almost inadvertently, as his focus is this one creature, he starts to realize that the only way I can really understand this one specific animal is to understand the coral, to understand the, the kelp, to understand the crab, to understand uh, all of the prey animals that it relies on, all of the predators that it needs to evade and how it's evolved to, to uh, become safe from those predators. And so at, as a side effect, he's, he suddenly has this epiphany about how connected everything in this ecosystem is. And, it's this beautiful allegory to our humanity and our own uh, human spirituality and how we, we think we're so removed uh, from the rest of the planet, from the rest yeah. of ecology, right? And even from just other races within our own species, which once you start to get a, a sense of how connected everything is, you realize how ridiculous that is. Yep. yep. I I, I, so I've heard about that. I will watch it. I promise. Um, Earth Day is something special um, to me because for so many reasons. But as a Haitian, I remember my parents, you would ask them a question and they would always reply back with some proverb that has to do with nature. So if they ask you to do something and you're like, oh, that's hard and or that's difficult. My mom would say, um, which is, do you know how water got in the coconut? Because like there's coconut water in, yeah. but there's no, like how did how did the water get in the coconut? Which means that there's, if there's a way, there's a will, right? Um, when people pass away in, which we, which we call going to the other side, um, going home, um, we say a big tree has fallen. Hmm. And we recognize that, right? Especially if they were um, a person of great stature in the community or an elder or any of that, we would always say. So you wouldn't say that the person has passed in, in telling someone else that um, there was a death in the community. You would say a, a big tree has fallen. Hmm. Because that means when the tree has fallen, you recognize what that tree stood for and you recognize the effect um, that a big tree falling in, in a forest or wherever, the impact that it will have. Um, mm, and the hold and that, that must leave. Yes, too. right? And so it's, it's all of these um, nature references yeah. that allows us to be connected to nature um, and it's always beautiful. reminds us that, that we are part of nature. Yeah. Right. Um, and so for me with Earth Day, it reminds us, like you were saying, we're all connected. 
And whenever I, 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 I did something like a couple of years ago, um, because my mom would say, oh, you're biased. Like you choose who to like and not to like, you know, find something that you can like in everybody. I'm a huge sports fan. And I recognize, um, I hope that I, that you don't lose followers for this, but I'm a Calgary Flames fan. Oh, you took your friend's advice. <laughs> That's great. And I'm a huge Calgary Flames fan. I'm also a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. And I've realized that I can travel around the world. And once I see someone wearing that Cowboys logo, like the Dallas Cowboys hat or the jersey or the Flames, you automatically instantly connect with that person instantly like you recognize oh that must be a flames fan or an oilers fan or whatever or if you're traveling and you see someone with a canadian t-shirt like you automatically know that and i think if we were to find more of those little things of what makes us human why we're human then we can automatically connect with each other because Mm -hmm. that's all it takes right recognizing um that someone is is a human being, which goes back to the Ubuntu word. I remember I was sitting in Banff at a hockey game and went out to watch at the concession stand. The game was on and the Cowboys were playing um, another team. And I just remembered sitting with four other burly Albertan men that we just sat around this table um, cheering for this for this team, watching the game. Um, and because we're all fans. And walking away at the end of the day uh, with hugs from these people when our team scored, I didn't know them, they didn't know me, but all they, all we recognized in each other was that we had shared something in common. And it was our love for American football and our love for the Dallas Cowboys game. And we reconnected. And that's all that it takes, finding mm. a piece of humanity in everybody that we meet and being able to connect with them. Mm. And leaving with that is is my thing. And I, I, I have forever now tried to implement that in everyone that I meet to find something and to say, okay, this is what makes them human. Um, this is what makes me human. Let's connect and let's move on from there. That's such a great real life example. And I, really, I think what you're describing, Julta, is exactly what we say that we're about as uh, as as Christians um, and and our minister here, Robin talks about it all the time is just looking for Jesus in everyone you meet. Right. That's what that means is finding some common humanity. And, and I get that it, I mean, maybe that's what it took for God to teach us this simple lesson is, you know, making himself human to, Mm -hmm. to show that like, look, you, I am in you and you are in me and we are all one. We are all connected. We are all the same. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, um, not to quote scripture, but it says, and they'll know we are Christians by our love, right? It's, it's Mm. what we show. It's what we do and how we speak to people that matters most. And just a little bit of humanity. Yeah. It doesn't take much. Hey, when all you just recognizing that you like the same hockey team or football team, (laughs) it's that easy. Why is it sometimes so hard? Yeah. Yeah. That's all it takes. Yeah. The Lego logo. Yeah. One little symbol. Um, And we shouldn't need one for humanity because you can look at anyone and just seeing that this is a, this is a person. Yes. Regardless of, your faith, regardless of your skin color, regardless of your beliefs and your orientation and anything else, any other label that we would 
that we could possibly put on on people they're not important they're they're none of those can take away from someone's humanity yep that's it we're we're all human i'm human because you're human mm. yeah yeah and we need that diversity and need and need to celebrate it uh i think this is a great place to maybe wrap up our conversation jolta but i before we do i would love for you to share with our listeners uh maybe just a final closing piece of advice of what we as individuals and as faith communities, but really as just humans, what can we do to, um, to support the work that you're doing and to emulate that in our own communities, wherever we live? Uh, absolutely. Um, so one of the first ways that you can can sort of support the work that we do is to be kind to other people. Um, always offer kindness, a word of kindness, especially to people who um, you may not think deserve it because those are the ones who deserve it the most. Um, secondly, please find us on social media, on um, the internet, uh, Ubuntu Mobilizing Central Alberta. We should come out, um, sh- sh- should be able to come up there and see what we have going on, support us, send messages. We like getting random messages from people reminding us that we're doing a good work, as well as to work in your local communities you know, mobilize your own communities, find something that you're passionate about that can bring people together and just mobilize around that and, and, and always connect with other people as much as you can and just create better communities, create safer communities, create braver communities. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's literally all that it takes a kind word, um, connecting with other people, supporting organizations, um, and creating better and braver spaces. I love it. Well, Julta, I want to acknowledge your leadership in that and the impact and difference that you're making. Um, Just hearing some of the story about the organization and your own personal uh, journey and your spiritual journey is very moving and inspiring uh, for me and I'm sure for all of our listeners. So I want to thank you for taking some time with me today to, to share all of that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was an an honest pleasure. And thank you everyone um, for listening, for joining us in this conversation today and taking some time out of your day um, to hear about Julta, to hear about Ubuntu mobilizing Central Alberta. Definitely look them up, uh, support them. We hope you enjoyed this conversation and this episode today. Uh, You can check out previous episodes of the Six Ways from Sunday podcast by subscribing to Six Ways from Sunday on iTunes or on your podcast app. And you can also find us uh, at our website, which is risingspiritministry.com. And there we have our um, podcast episodes, new episode every second Friday, as well as uh, sermon videos, blogs, and lots of other great content. So check us out. Thanks again for joining us. And thanks again to Julta. Take care and be well.